Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We'll make it happen for you here on CBS Sports Radio for the next two hours. We're going to take a chunk of that and talk about the upcoming Major League Baseball season with my next guest. Uh, baseball writer for USA Today, John Parado, good enough to join us for a spell. John Jody Mack here. How you doing, bud? Doing good, Jody. How are you? Good. How has your spring been? It has been different. Uh, having been to Florida and Arizona nearly as much as under normal circumstances because, uh, as you well know, uh, the clubhouses and uh, one-on-one interviews are pretty much shut off to the media so doing uh, everything like everyone else uh, via zoom and via <laughs> zoom and uh, so i've been uh, covering most of the spring training from my humble abode in uh, beaver falls pennsylvania yeah same thing as me yeah doing my shows from right here in lovely downtown Malton, new jersey it's the zoom world in which we live these days um what is the biggest thing you miss about not being able to go to Florida or Arizona and in-season, probably pretty damn similar, talking to managers and whatever players the team chooses to make available for you. Uh, what is the biggest difference? What's the hardest part of it? And Yeah, I guess the hardest part is, is really, like you said, now it's more who the teams choose uh, to talk to you and were before, uh, you know, as a member of the media, you could go into the clubhouse when it was open to the media and uh, whoever happened to be in there was pretty much fair game. If they wanted to go ahead and do an interview, you just could approach them and, and do it. So uh, I missed that part of it, especially uh, going from camp to camp with, you know, and both, uh, both leagues to see as many teams as you can talk to as many managers, talk to as many players. And uh, I missed the one-on-one interaction uh, that, that you get. And especially it's a lot easier in spring training guys who are at a little bit more relaxed clip, a little bit more relaxed pace. Uh, they're not in quite as much hurry as they are in the regular season. And uh, I missed that. I missed that a lot more than uh, I even realized, imagined I would just a few days I were in Florida it just uh, it just didn't seem the same not being able to, to interview players or the manager rather than through a Zoom call and, and you know as I said you can do that from anywhere. I've right, got one more question for you on how you're doing your work and then we'll actually get into what your work is telling you about this upcoming season. Uh, I've been interviewing people for decades on the phone. Uh, so I judge their voice. You go out to the ballpark, you talk to guys face to face, you get a chance to look in their eyes. Now the only chance to get to look in their eyes is via the computer, online, on a Zoom conference. Do you think you can judge if a guy is being honest with you, you're asking about his game, you're asking about the issues and the problems, can you get a read out of him uh, virtually over a uh, computer line, or is that something you just think is impossible? 
Uh, it depends if it's a one-on-one Zoom, which uh, unfortunately you haven't had many of those this spring. Uh, teams aren't uh, too keen to have their players do one-on-one interviews with uh, most of the print media. Right. Yeah, to an extent, but when you're doing a group, uh, you know, with 15, 20, 25 other media members, it's really hard to get a sense if, if somebody's telling the truth or if they're stretching the truth or if they're outright lying to you. So, so yeah, on the whole, Jody, it, it's different. And I mean, it's like anything. Maybe I'm old school. Maybe maybe I'm old fashioned this way. But I like the human interaction. I like the face to face, or or certainly even close to it, the one on one interview, even if it's via Zoom. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of that has gone by the wayside here in the last year with the, the pandemic. Pandemic. John Prado of the USA Today talking baseball with us here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let me start here since it popped up in the first couple hours of my show today. I'm picking the Chicago White Sox to win the American League Central. I think they've got the starting rotation that can do it. I think they got a lineup going to score a bunch of runs, even with Eloy Jimenez going down with an injury. Key addition, Adam Eaton, now looks smarter than ever having added him. My one hang-up about picking the White Sox is I don't know how Tony La Russa at age 76 as a Hall of Fame manager is going to be able to relate to 20-year-olds in that locker room. Am I right you to know, be concerned? I, oh, Absolutely. I think there's certainly reason to be concerned about that. But, you know, having not had a chance to go to the White Sox camp this year because of all the restrictions, I haven't had a chance to, to get a chance to talk to the players and get a real feel. But from I've read from what the White Sox beat writers and, and, and such that around the team, at least by Zoom every day, the players say that hasn't been a problem, that they, uh, they've they been pleasantly surprised, that they, they relate to him pr- pretty well. And, uh, you know, there isn't that uh, big barrier where this guy is 50 years older than me and we have nothing in common. And, you know, I've got to know Tony pretty well in the, over 30 years of covering baseball. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people think of him as not a great communicator, but I have, I've seen a different side of him over the years, Jody, and I – I happen to like him. I felt I've always had a pretty good relationship with him. And uh, I think he's a good communicator. And I think most players that play for him really liked playing for him, or at the very least, certainly respected what he has done and what he's accomplished. And, and it seems like that communication gap uh, isn't what I thought it might be and what a lot of other people thought it might be. I hope that's the case because I am leaning on the White Sox to win that division. Um, I think it's a two-team race. I know the Tribe has been able to hang in there despite, it seems like, every single year taking a step backwards. They just find another pitcher, another arm to fill in the rotation. Kudos to uh, their skipper, one of the best in the game, and their front office for being able to develop these young guys. Is this the year the Indians take a big step back, or is it a three-team race between the Tribe, the White Sox, and the Twins? The reason I give the Indians at least a chance, and I think clearly they're the third-best team after the White Sox and Twins, is they still have good starting pitching. Even after trading Bauer a couple of years ago and trading Carlos Carrasco as part of Lindor trade with the Mets here back in January, they have Shane Bieber, the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner. They have Zach Plesak, Aaron Sabali, Logan Allen, a very good-looking young left-hander. And I think that starting pitching 
at least gives them a chance to be good. I certainly think they have their work cut out for them. And, you know, they're one of those teams, Jody, I could see them being a big surprise or I could see them falling flat on their faces and losing like 90 games this year. I I think they can go a lot of different ways. But the reason I I wouldn't totally give up on the Indians is that starting pitching. And like you said, with Terry Francona in their front office, uh, that's certainly one of the better organizations in all of baseball. No, we will agree. I think there's a better chance there. A 90-loss team than an 80-loss team and end up above 500 again, but I may have to eat crow there. I'm going out on a bit of a limb, at least with the prognosticators that I've been able to see so far and listening to guys on the MLB network here, there, everywhere, who are putting forth preseason prognostications. People are down on the Oakland A's, it seems to me. I know Simeon is no longer their shortstop. He's been a key guy the last couple of years, but they went out and reacted, got Elvis Andrews to fill the position. Yes, Hendricks leaving the bullpen is a big hole, but they've got the young arms that, while inexperienced in the closer role, I think have got the talent to do it. Other than that, they're still the same A's team they've been Am I right to assume, am I posturing correctly here, that people are down on the A's coming into this season off the kind of year that they had last year? And am uh, I right in your opinion that people are moving away from the A's too quickly? No, I'm I'm right with you. I, I agree everything you just said. I think a lot of people have kind of written them off and think, you know, that they're not going to be very competitive this year. I don't see it. I mean, I know they're going to miss Liam Hendricks, but they, uh, you know, Bob Melvin's a really good manager, and he'll find a way to, to patch that hole in the bullpen with the, you know, the loss of Hendricks. Uh, Semyon's a good player, but they did get Elvis Andrews in, in a trade from Texas, and I realize that he's not the same Elvis Andrews he was ten years ago when he was the, you know, hot shot rookie helping the Rangers get to the World Series, but he's still a competent major league shortstop. Uh, I, I think the A's are, are still still a good team, and uh, you know, I, I don't see a big slippage in, in Oakland like like so many other people do. So I'm I'm right with you there, Jody Mack. Fair enough. Uh, over in the AL East. It seems to me it's the Yankees and everybody else. Agree or disagree on that statement? And if so, agreed, how would you rank everybody else? You know, I'm not so sure the Yankees are head and shoulders above that division. I think the Yankees have a very good team. I'm still not 100% sold on that rotation. They need a lot of things to go right. Corey Kluber has to be healthy, which he hasn't been for two years. Jameson Tyone's missed almost two full years coming back from Tommy John. Uh, I mean, those are a couple of big question marks. There's no doubt that they have a uh, that they have talent, but will they be able to stay healthy? I think the Rays are going to be good again. I think they're just one of those teams that's always going to be there. You know, they lost guys, but they went and they made some pretty good additions. And, uh, you know, Kevin Cash that seems to know how to get the most out of all his talent, one of the better managers in the game. I think the Blue Jays are going to be pretty good. I think George Springer makes an already good lineup really good. The only thing that concerns me about them is they have enough starting pitching, and that's to be determined. And, uh, you know, I'd have to go in that order, Yankees, Tampa Bay, Toronto, but I don't think the gap between those three teams is quite as large as, as maybe some people think. How much of a deterrent and or a plus, if you read it that way, is the fact that the Blue Jays are going to play, it sounds like, a minimum of a month 
in Florida at their minor league facility in Dunedin, uh, depending on how the COVID worm turns and their ability to get back into Toronto and teams to be able to go up there and play them and then continue right out of town afterwards and continue their schedule. It uh, A month could turn into six months and the entire year real fast. How big a deterrent or could that actually be turned into a strength for the Blue Jays? I think it could be turned into a strength, but I think it's going to be hard. Last year, you know, they played in Buffalo, but that was a two-month season when they played their home games in Buffalo. It was an inconvenience, but it didn't. It's not like a six-month situation where you'd be playing in a temporary home, and uh, you know, especially if they end up playing in Dunedin all year. I mean, it, it gets awfully hot and humid, and they don't have a dome like the Rays do, and uh, you're playing in a you know, basically a minor league spring training stadium, uh, you know, on hot nights when it's still 85 degrees at game time and humid with 80% humidity. I I don't know if that's the situation you want to be in come June, July, and August. So I think it could be a distraction because, like I said, it's one thing to do it for two months, uh, play somewhere else. It's another to have to do it for six. Here's the only upside, and I know you know this for the, as many springs as you spent in Florida. It doesn't rain every day at 6 o'clock on the west coast of Florida. It does on the east coast. Every day, 6 o'clock, you know, it's pretty much going to rain. That's why the Marlins had to get that dome stadium they put in. Not quite as bad in Tampa. Oh, you're right, about 85 and humid first pitch at 7 o'clock. That is going to be tricky, but I don't think they have as much rain worries as uh, teams do on the other side of uh, the coast of that state. All right, let's jump over to the National League. If I make this statement, tell me agree or disagree, I'm nuts, or I could be onto something. The Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, the New York Mets, and the Washington Nationals all could have records of 500 or above. Is that possible four out of five teams all get to 500? Agree. And I think you could even throw the – I mean, it would be really hard for five teams in the same division to have a winning record just mathematically. But I think the Florida Marlins, uh, you know, I'm not so sure what they did last year was a total fluke uh, getting into the playoffs. So, yeah, I think every team in that division is capable of uh, a 500 or better season. All right. If I told you I believe that the St. Louis Cardinals are the only team that are a lock – to be above 500 in the Central, I would call Milwaukee the second best, but they look like an 81 and 81 team to me. If you're going four and one in the NL East, could you go one and four on the 500 level in the NL Central? I think it's a possibility, but I'm with you. The only one that I 100% certain will finish over 500 is the Cardinals. But I think the Cubs and, and the Brewers and, and even the Reds, even though they lost Bauer and uh, their closer, Rissell Iglesias, uh, you know, I still think they have talent. And I have to think at least one of those three teams would still finish above 500. Which one it would be, I'm, I'm not ready to put a whole lot of money on any of the three to say yes. But I just think one of the three probably will will win enough games to be over 500 to to join the Cardinals in that club. All right. The one team you left out in that division, and you did so rightfully, is the Pirates. They were bad last year, 19-41. and Their team on paper looks to be bad again this year. Yeah. If you're a Pirates fan in Pittsburgh, how difficult is it for you? You want to be a baseball fan. You've been a baseball fan your whole life. You've got a great stadium. That's one of the best-kept secrets in baseball. PNC Park's one of the best stadiums there is in all of baseball. You want to be able to go, enjoy yourself, have a good night downtown. 
but you know you're going to get your teeth kicked in again because your Pirates stink. How tough is it to be a baseball fan these days in Pittsburgh? You know, it's really tough, Jody, and I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm based in Pittsburgh, and I was born and raised here and lived here my whole life, so I, I followed the Pirates from the time I could walk and talk, and uh, this is the least bit of buzz I can ever remember. And I'm 57 years old, so I'm going back 50 years now that I can recall there being about a baseball season in Pittsburgh, and I realized the Pirates – Aren't, don't have that fervent following like the Steelers do, you know, 24-7, 365. But the Pirates are woven in the fabric of this uh, region for over 120 years. And just so many people were turned off. Uh, you know, the Pirates had that good run from 2013 to 15 and made the wild card game three years. And I think a lot of fans thought, hey, ownership, they're going to spend a little money now. They like winning. They're going to want to keep winning, and it's gone right back to where it was, where they have the lowest, uh, one of the very lowest payrolls in baseball. And uh, the fans are really turned off, and they, they've really, uh, really lost the fans here. And uh, it'll be interesting to uh, to see what the reaction is. I mean, it'll be limited attendance, so it's going to be a little hard to tell just how many empty seats are there because even at, at maximum capacity, what they're allowed, it's not going to be a real big crowd. But uh, I think. Uh, I think a lot of people are upset, and a lot of people, even worse, are just apathetic toward the whole thing now. You and I have agreed on a lot tonight. Uh, I think smart minds think alike. Take the compliment. Um, <laughs> and let's see if we agree on this one. Who is the most underrated, and we're of similar age, too, so we're talking about the uh, needle. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about Pie Trainer, but who in your <laughs> lifetime is the most underrated Pittsburgh Pirate? Ooh. You know, I'd have to say Al Oliver. Ding, 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 damn. You and I agree on everything. My goodness, we must be identical twins. Uh, In in a a, a, a age apart or something. A brother from another mother. I absolutely believe that. Uh, He is one of the best hitters I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, I thought of him as a Hall of Famer. I think he's one of the most underrated players of all time. All right. uh, Let's jump over to the National League West. I'm going to give you a hypothetical here. We reach Tuesday, September 28th. The Dodgers and the Padres are scheduled to play a three-game set in L.A. And then the Padres finish it off with three in San Francisco. You believe you can beat the Giants. I think Giants are a below 500 team again. Let's say you're four games out. You're already at 88 wins, but you're four games out with six to play. Because the Dodgers are the Dodgers, and they're as good as they are. If you can't get by them, you know you're going to have to play a one-game play-in in the wild card. But you also want to be able to do damage when you get there. Do you set up your rotation to get your three best pitchers going against the Dodgers? Do you take the long shot to try and win the division? Or do you say, no, we just got to do whatever we can do to be in the best position to go to the postseason how did the Padres handle it? I had a uh, baseball guest on last night. I said, you know, the Padres could win like 95 games and still be eight or nine games out when the season ends. That kind of a season. If it is uh, the way that I think it could work out, how does San Diego handle that last week of the season? You know, the competitiveness inside of me says he's going to try to want to try to win the division, even even though the odds are stacked against you. But the common sense approach, in all honesty, would be, hey, 
you know, you're not going to win the division down four games with six to go, and, and you get yourself set up to have your best pitchers ready for the start of the playoffs. So, you know, that's, that's a tough call. It's kind of like the angel and devil on each shoulder. Uh, I, I guess I would at least try to win the division, but uh, it, that's a hard one. It really is. I mean, you can make a strong case on either side of that equation. Fair enough. All right. Uh, if we're in lockstep that um, the uh, NL East is going to be very competitive, the Cardinals will win the Central. Dodgers will win the West, but the Padres will get the wild card. Who's going to get the other wild card in the National League? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, got, I, I, would, I would say the odds would seem to be tilted whoever finishes second in the uh, National League East. And, you know, as we talked about, everybody in there, even the Marlins, have to be considered at least somewhat a contender. So uh, I think uh, I think whoever finishes second in the East will get the second one. You know, I, I just don't see the second-place team in the Central having a, a very good record. You probably have to get to at least 85 wins to get that second wild card. And I, I just don't know if, if, if there's teams in the Central that can do it. I do know there are a number of teams in the East that can do it, and I don't think the other three teams in the West, Arizona, Colorado, or, or uh, the Giants can do it. So I guess uh, when you boil it all down, I would say the second-place team in the East will yeah. be the, the second wild card. Here's my issue with that, and I'm not saying it's not going to happen, and I may even pick and join your uh, thought process, but I think they're all going to beat up on each other. I think that uh, because they're, they're all uh, competitive – I don't think the Bra- I think the Braves are the best team, but I don't think they're going to win 98 games because I think they're going to have a tough time with the Mets and the Phillies and the Nats. And the same thing about all those other teams. They're all going to kind of beat up on each other. The team that wins it is going to be the one that finds a way to dominate one of their other top rivals. Uh, and I, I think it'll be the Braves, but we shall see. I appreciate you coming on board with me tonight, John. You gave us some good stuff. I was going to go Mario Mendoza as my most uh, – Underrated all-time pirate, but I had to be honest and say Al Oliver. Uh, thank you very much for hopping on me tonight. We'll do it uh, again once the season gets underway. Oh, anytime, Jody. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.